Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Scaling New Heights podcast. During this episode, we will talk with Gary Boomer. Now, if you're listening to this podcast episode before November the 28th, 2016, and you haven't yet registered for our Orlando Scaling New Heights show in June of 2017, don't do it yet. Wait. Wait till November the 28th, 2016. Because on that day, we're going to be offering our Cyber Monday pricing. It gives you the lowest price between now and the conference, over 20% off. Don't get distracted between now and then. Mark your calendar. And on that day, go to woodard.com to get the lowest price for scaling new heights. Now, our conversation with Gary today in this entire podcast series is made possible by the generosity of our partners, Entryless, Neat, and Smart Biz Loans. We've partnered with these three companies because each of them helps you to create effectiveness in your own firm as well as guide your clients to greater levels of effectiveness. As Gary's going to talk about in just a minute, they are tools in your tool set. Just one example of the kind of tools we're going to hear Gary discuss. Well, implementing effective processes allows you to create profitability. In fact, effectiveness is a topic I discussed in depth with Paul Dunn in episode 14. If you've not yet listened to that episode, I strongly encourage you to dial that up at woodard.com slash podcast and learn more about how focusing on effectiveness allows you to focus on your intellectual capital and how to leverage that to transform small business. Well, our partner EntryList helps you and your clients to be effective by providing fully automated bill pay that is seamlessly integrated with numerous cloud solutions. With EntryList, you and your clients no longer need to enter bills into your accounting system and then even manually pay the bills. As a matter of fact, that whole process is automated by taking your vendor bills, automating the entry, automating the payment, and this makes it an essential tool to increase profitability for any any firm that provides bookkeeping services. And as our partner here on the podcast, EntryList is offering you 2,000 automated bills for free so you can see for yourself how powerful efficiency can be. You can learn more about this special offer at woodard.com slash podcast. Now let me tell you a bit about our guest today, Gary Boomer. Gary is the visionary and strategist of Boomer Consulting, Inc., an organization that provides consulting services and peer communities to leading accounting firms. Gary is recognized in the accounting profession as the leading authority on technology and firm management, especially among larger firms. And for over 15 years, he has been named by Accounting Today as one of the 100 most influential people in the profession. Boomer Consulting is also a member of Inside Public Accounting's 10 Most Respected Recommended Consultants. He consults and speaks around the globe on management and technology-related topics, including strategic and technology planning, compensation, change management, and developing a training and learning culture. He acts as a planning facilitator. He provides coaching and serves on various advisory boards. Now, Gary is the author of multiple books, as well as the author of Boomer's Blueprint, a regular column in Accounting Today, and he publishes the Boomer Bulletin, a newsletter with a worldwide circulation. 
Now, before we get into today's discussion with Gary, let me tell you about another one of our partners that helps you to create effectiveness in both your firm and in your clients' businesses. For the past few weeks, I've been telling you that NEAT is no longer just the scanner company that you used to see on cable television at night. It's really important to understand that NEAT is a powerful software automation company. They've used their technology that extracted information off you know, business cards and recipes for the consumer market and greatly expanded and strengthened it for the small business world. NEAT gives great ability to create effectiveness by allowing you to automate transactions from scanned documents regardless of the type of scanner you use. As a matter of fact, it'll automate the information off of any document even if that document isn't delivered by a scanner. It can be delivered by email, any way that you get it to the NEAT cloud. I encourage you to take one minute today to get your free two-month trial of NEAT. That's a special offer for our podcast listeners, and you can learn more at woodard.com slash podcast. Now, let's get into that conversation with Gary Boomer. Gary, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joe. It's a pleasure to be with you today. It's always great to talk with you, Gary, and I often refer to you as the Pied Piper of the top 100 firms in the country. That's the largest 100 firms in the country. I, I know you know how these guys work, and they listen to you. Uh, you've got over a lifetime of reputation and experience that merits them listening to you. And I know for many, many years, you've been leading the charge with these firms, firms of all sizes, really, not just the big guys, on advisory service models. I know you've given a lot of thought to it, and you've also seen tremendous successes in your consulting of these firms in this area. I just wanted to ask you some questions along that topic, if that's okay. That's great. Fantastic. Let's start with leadership. I've heard you say before that there's a direct connection between leadership and advisory services. Why is leadership so important? Well, I guess I should start by saying I get asked all the time, what is the one differentiator between the firms that are great and the firms that are existing? And I would say it's always leadership, regardless of whether it's advisory services or our compliance services that we've always had. Um, and, and one of the reasons for that is there are three things that add value when you look from an entrepreneurial perspective. And the first is leadership that provides direction. Second would be relationships that add confidence. And third would be capabilities uh, or uh, creativity, which creates new capabilities. And if you have those three, then you could add value. And that's what advisory services is all about, is adding value to the client. Uh, and oftentimes we uh, hear clients say, well, I want this uh, rather than I need this. And clients, when they want something, they don't have to justify it. And they're willing to pay more for something that they want. And that's why we want the advisory services to be in that category. The biggest change that we see in firms of all, or biggest challenge in firms of all sizes is the change from more the compliance to the uh, what some people call reliance. We call them above the line services. 
and, and um, I think there's reason for that, and I'll get into those reasons a little bit later. But the challenge today is that most firms are making more money than they've ever made. So the question becomes, why should they change? And we'll try to answer that as we go through the program this morning. I want to come to that topic of above the line. You mentioned it. Let's go ahead and call attention to it. What do you mean by above the line services? Well, I've tried to position this in a graphic uh, throughout my career and over the last five years we've got clearer so if you will just draw a horizontal line on the paper and say that your compliance services of tax and assurance services are below the line and then above the line would be performance services like uh, business advisory outsource CFO analytics forecasting family office those kind of things and even above that would be strategic services. And we call those level three services, they're above the line. And that would be things like strategic planning, succession planning, mergers and acquisitions. So you, you really have below the line, the compliance, above the line, the level two and level three services. And um, some firms are comfortable offering those, some firms or some people are not as comfortable. What makes them uncomfortable and, and how can the listeners of this podcast become more comfortable in that above the line service area? Well, I, I think that we have used the term trusted business advisor for a long time. And I would say that most people, most CPAs or accountants are trusted technical advisors uh, when they're below the line because they're focused on hindsight and perfection. When you move above the line, then at the performance level, you're focused on insight, progress. We say that all progress starts with the truth. And so where you are today and where you want to be a year from today or six months from today is very important. And as a trusted advisor, you can help your clients get there. Uh, by using some of those compliance services and data, then you become an outsourced CFO or a, uh, uh, do more analytics and forecasting for the client. Then at the highest level, that's where foresight and progress really occurs, and that's in the strategic planning, the succession planning, mergers and acquisitions. So. To be innovative today, I think you have to have hindsight, insight, and foresight. And most CPAs have that. It's just they're more comfortable and they know how to price the compliance services. But the clients really are asking for the above the line. I hear you say it's one reason. One reason they don't embrace it, Gary. And if I'm hearing you correctly, that one reason is pricing. If they knew how to price better, they could go into this more confidently and do you think there's also a knowledge gap? Do you think that firms just don't feel as if their core expertise is above the line? Well, in, in some cases, I think that's probably true, but they've always been taught that value is created by time. And that's a bad lesson that we teach many people coming into the profession because value is created in the eyes of the client in many different ways. And it's all not by the effort that you put in it, but the results 
that come out of that engagement. So I do think we need to do some training in that area, but also packaging the services and having a menu of services to offer clients can be very helpful. Uh, I mentioned the menu because if you go into a salon, uh, you don't just go in and get a haircut normally. They will offer you a package of services that could include uh, washing your hair all the way to a massage, uh, to a manicure, uh, and I think that's how we need to think more as the profession is how do we offer services that the clients really want and are willing to pay for. Well, and, and you know that I like that menu approach too. If you have a very complex need, it gives you the ability to stack in more of the line items and create a deeper, richer, more value-infused package. But if my needs are more simplistic, I can streamline what I'm purchasing from the firm. You've worked a lot in Boomer Consulting in the realm of the larger firms. And you also have deep knowledge into the small firms. I would say Woodard's just the inverse. At Woodard, we work extensively with the small firms and we have deep knowledge into the larger firms. The small firms who support small business are saying, mom and pop doesn't need advisory services. Well, I've got an analogy I can bring in here that might help some of the small firms listening in our audience. Um, I don't have a lot of hair. This is going someplace, just hang with me. For those of you who've seen me lately, my hair's pretty much gone, but I still go to the same place to get my hair cut that I've always gone to, even when I had hair. And they have all these amazing offerings for people with hair. Well, funny story, Gary. Normally my hair cut's 14 bucks, but the other day they charged me $10. And I said, no, I'm not eligible for a senior discount. I thought it was a senior discount. I said, you can charge me the whole 14. Well, the lady said, no, this isn't the senior discount. This is what we call the simple haircut discount. Basically, I didn't have enough hair to pay full price. Well, that showed me a couple of things. And I'm just extending your analogy here. It showed me that the haircut chain understands value pricing, which blew me away. I mean, the reduced price they charged me was based on the reduced value I received. And second, if we can create streamlined reduced value offerings for businesses that have lesser needs, like I have less hair, right? If they have a streamlined need and we can create a streamlined package, well, they're going to purchase those services more readily. I agree. And firms have struggled for years, large and small, of cross-selling. And I think it's because firms often operate in silos, tax, accounting services, and, and they don't coordinate or collaborate. But in the advisory services realm, it's a team sport today. In the larger firms, particularly, that may be one of the differences. In a small organization, people may try to be the rugged individualist. But as you move into advisory services, there are different skill sets for strategic and succession planning than there are for tax and audit uh, specialties. So you have to work as a team and you can look at that team as being either people within the firm or you can go outside the firm and acquire 
access to resources. We help all the time. I'm, I'm, wait, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Gary, but is there an opportunity for the small firm that maybe only has the resources to do one or two aspects of this above the line consulting? Is there an opportunity for that small firm to partner strategically with the large firms? And are you seeing this play out? Yes, we're not seeing as much as I would like, and particularly in the strategic planning area, because think of how a strategic plan really opens up a lot of service areas to the accounting firm. Uh, even a small firm, if they go in for a client and do a strategic plan, they now know what the vision of that company, the core values, the priorities, where they're going to put their resources, their dangers, and they can help with various services. And those could be CFO-related services. Those could be merger and acquisition services. And it just creates a different conversation between the client and the accountant than it does when you're talking about compliance of tax or revenue recognition in the audit area. All right, well, so let's shift to tools because we've talked about what we need to do and we've talked about why we need to do it. And to me, the tools answer the question, how? You're working with a lot of larger firms and they're offering these kinds of services. What tools are they using? How are they actually doing it? Well, I think we always jump to the tool. And I think mindset, skill set, and tool sets are all important. And I will say as we've moved to the cloud, this has become more complex. And as the advisor, I need to kind of have a toolbox full of tools because you don't just buy the tools from one vendor. You probably have to orchestrate and put tools from multiple vendors together. So I like to refer to this as the business capability model. In, in other words, what tools do I need not only to do production and do the accounting, but what do, tools do I need for scheduling of work, um, workflow, uh, managing my database of prospects, uh, CRM would be one in marketing and sales. What do I need in HR to not only do the payroll, but to do um, a performance reviews? What do I need in the way of working with the business at vendors? Uh, I really call them business partners rather than vendors. They're part of the supply chain, and if you treat them like partners rather than vendors, I think you get a lot more out of them. But there are many of these apps coming on the market from various places, many outside the United States. So knowing which apps work together and the companies that are going to be around is very important. So I think anybody that's in the advisory services area today has to kind of have a good understanding of who the major players are. And uh, I've touched on some of the apps but I didn't mention data analytics, which most accountants have used the spreadsheet in the past. But there are many tools out there to do data analytics, automate it, and get away from the spreadsheet. Uh, some of them I think of right off the top of my head are Fathom, Spotify, Crunchboards. These are all systems that take the data from your accounting system 
and allow you to make assumptions and produce nice dashboards and graphics and do a good job of reporting. Yes, and you did a great job laying out those categories. Those of you who are driving along, please don't try to jot these categories down now. You can come back and when you're at your desk, you can check those out, jot them down, you can replay the episode. I love Gary talking about that categorical approach. With the categories, it gives you intentionality. When you go to say the apps.com to explore the QuickBooks online integrated apps, there's this universe of product. Or when you go to a show like Scaling New Heights in June in Orlando, there's gonna be a universe of app choices. But the categories help you narrow down how to make your choices and make sense of all the options. Gary, I love all the categories you mentioned, and there's one I usually add that you didn't mention of collaborative tools. It's just one of those in-house components, those internal firm use tools. It would also include like client portaling, allowing your clients to share their tax documents with you securely. Folks, Gary's absolutely dead on. If you take the categorical approach that he laid out, You can make sense of all your numerous selections, vet out the solutions from there, and make sure you ask developers the size of their user base, how long they've been in the space, which general ledger solutions they integrate with, and how long they've integrated with those solutions. This will give you some idea on the most stable choices you can make. Then the other advice I would give, and Gary, you can let me know if this is something you advise for larger firms, watch what your peers are doing. Just the popularity of something doesn't necessarily make it right or make it the best choice, but it could be a soft validator. And then if a critical mass of the top 100 firms have adopted a particular solution, it's safe to say there's been some extensive vetting that's gone behind those decisions. Gary, would you agree? Normally, I agree with that, uh, or I mostly agree with that, although in the accounting profession, I will say the use of the term cloud has been very loose and some of our leading vendors have really been in the fog, not totally in the cloud. Therefore, one of the risks is just watching what the herd does. Now, if you watch what people that really know what they're doing and our peers that are on top of it, I think that is a good way to leverage some of your R&D. That's why we recommend being in a community uh, for both large and small firms so you don't have to have the expense of all that R&D plus having access to expertise and other peers saves you a lot of time and provides you with confidence in the market spot. But, But this is a more complex business and that's why leadership comes back to it You don't want to put the weakest link you have in the firm in charge of advisory services or you're not going to probably succeed. You want somebody pretty strong and entrepreneurial. I couldn't agree more, Gary. I just uh, wanted to say that on the other side of that, you do have observing what your peers are doing. You have the side of the coin that you just talked about. But I want to call attention to a very formal process that you've established for larger sized firms called technology circles. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Boomer Technology Circles? Well, our original technology circle started in 1999, and it was really to bridge the gap between technology and management, focused on the internal technology. 
but in recent years now we have what's called the advisor circle that really focuses on client services, how to package price those services, how to put the applications together, make them work in the cloud. Uh, and, and so it's got a little bit different focus. But the people that participate in that learn from each other and they learn in a controlled environment. Uh, because oftentimes in the firm, if you start talking about we're going to test something, everybody assumes there's a change coming. And most innovation honestly starts as a bad idea, especially with the incumbent. And so to get over that bad idea, you have to kind of do it um, in silence or do it with your peers. And I think having access to others that are already done this can save your firm a whole lot of time. And, and Joe's got a group that, you know, meets their, the smaller firms for the most part. But if you participate in these groups, you're going to get far more out of the groups than the cost. And it gives you some time to think rather than just be focusing on charge hours all the time. You're absolutely right. It's an up periscope to give you some perspective on what's happening with your peers in a larger industry. Well, we've got time for one more question, and I want to focus on something I've heard you call the drink your own champagne strategy. What do you mean by that, Gary? Well, accounting firms have always felt like they're different than their clients because they have had practice management where they captured their time and build through that program. But I would say any accounting firm out there outside the big four are probably the same as any other small business. In fact, banks and other industries would view the accounting profession mostly as small businesses. And even if you go down to the top 100, that's about $35 million in revenue at the bottom. Um, and the other 45,000 CPA firms out there and probably another uh, that another 45, 50,000 of advisory firms, they're really just small businesses. So if you use the tools internally that you're recommending to your clients, you have a lot more influence and a lot more knowledge and can help the clients. So I, we use the tools internally that we recommend to the accounting firms out there. We don't do tax returns. Uh, but we do have workflow, we have document management requirements, we have payroll, we have performance, uh, we have vendors to pay. And I think that's what I mean by drink your own champagne. The first time I heard this, it was from Bill Gates, and it was, you have to eat your own dog food. Well, champagne tastes better to me than dog food, so that's why we're on the champagne kick right now. Well, that's fantastic. I do like that better because it really should be champagne, not dog food. All right, let me sum up what Gary's talked about here, folks. He started off by saying leadership is critical. And as an accountant, if you haven't developed, haven't honed your leadership skills, you now have two reasons to do it. One, because of your internal team, and second, because of your client. But then we moved into some challenges. Why haven't more firms embraced an advisory services model. We talked about challenges like pricing. We talked about the knowledge gap. I think, and Gary focused on this some too, 
that our obsession with efficiency as a measurement point rather than effectiveness as a measurement point is also a challenge to embracing the advisory services model. We're so focused on production, on making money, on internal metrics that we forget to layer that with some of the effective metrics that are client centric. We talked about the obstacle of tools and we talked about a wide range of tools, including collaborative tools that small firms need to embrace that maybe some of the larger firms have embraced more quickly. Maybe the larger firms had a greater, more compelling need for that and the small firms, it's more proactive. Okay. But on top of that tool set, we talked about how the small firms could partner with larger firms using that as a resource or a form of a tool so they can offer services that are outside the scope, the capabilities, or the scale of what their firm might be able to embrace. If we can get our knowledge increased, if we can increase our intellectual capital, if small firms will start collaborating more proactively with large firms, if we can embrace the right tools, hone our leadership skills, sounds like we can start drinking our own champagne, right, Gary? All right. I think it's exciting time in the accounting profession. And um, I just wish I were 20 years younger to take advantage of more of this. Yes, it's going to be exciting. And the next 20 to 30 years are going to be absolutely game-changing for the profession. I'm so glad that folks like you, Gary, and now Jim Boomer, who's taken the reins of Boomer Consulting, are leading the charge and guiding professionals through all of these changes that are to come. Gary, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. You're quite welcome, Joe. It's my pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast and our conversation with Gary Boomer. Well, Gary talked a bit just now about bundling or packaging various types of services into the value-priced options you give your clients. And while providing funding options for your clients in today's tough small business lending environment is a great way to infuse value into these types of packages. However, the process of securing SBA loans can be daunting and discouraging for many small businesses. This is where Smart Biz Loans, one of our podcast partners, can help. Smart Biz Loans is a lending facilitation company that streamlines the process of securing a traditional low-interest SBA loan through their powerful online process, and they're offering our podcast audience a $500 discount on closing fees. You can go to water.com slash podcast to take advantage of this special offer. Well, for more information about today's episode, to explore other episodes in this podcast series, or to learn more about our annual conference, visit water.com. That's W-O-O-D-A-R-D.com. As always, we encourage you to stay tuned, stay connected, never stop learning, and scale new heights. <laughs>